pick up today with Ephesians, again, chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the board, but if you do have your Bible, I will be reading from the ESV, as I normally do, the English Standard Version, verses 8 through 10. As you know, when we start a series, we normally go through the book, or if I have a particular topic that I am following, I will develop that topic. So this, as we go through the book of Ephesians, I'm just taking my time and going through. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, and this is how it reads. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. The title, The Great Rescue, Part 2, The Great Rescue. We, we look for bargains at the store oftentimes. We, we like bargains. If we find something that is free and it seems too good to be true, we even ask the person who has given the item away, are you sure there's, there's got to be a catch to this? It seems too good to be true. Are you sure? Are you going to come back later and ask me to pay? Are you going to send security after me when I leave the store? I like that commercial. I'm not sure if it's Mervyn the talking that lady said, start the car, start the car. And she, Ikea, she got a great deal. She said, they don't start the car, start the car. This is too good to be true. (laughs) When we find a deal, we say that this deal is too good to pass up. Fast food restaurants often give deals to lure people in. They will oftentimes give you a special. They'll say, two Big Macs for $5. So if you are a Big Mac person, it is likely that you're going to find your way to McDonald's before that deal ends to get your two Big Macs for $5. What happens when God offers humanity a deal that just seems too good to be true? What, what happens with humanity? Well, unfortunately, many people don't investigate the claim. In fact, objections are often raised to the offer, and people began to try to change the terms of the agreement. Isn't it interesting that when God offers a deal, we want to change the terms? But when a deal is made in regards to material things, we are quick to get there and we are quick to try to pursue that particular item. How is it that we tend to like offers for free or bargains when it comes to material things, but the things that are most important we tend to not pay attention to? Point number two Today, because last week, point number one was, but God. But 
God. Today, point two, I have a gift for you, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. What we often say is free has a cost attached to someone. There really are no free lunches. It costs someone something. Demanding that you get something free and that you are entitled to something free is really an act of pride and an ingratitude. People really don't owe you anything. It is oftentimes a wonderful blessing if you receive something. But you see, what's free and and giving things to people really can't be legislated. It really must come from the heart. I look at government and someone to offer everyone everything. Everyone gets free health care. Everyone gets to come into the country free. No, there's a price that has to be paid. There's something that oftentimes has to be done. You see, when we think about something that is free, it means that you really didn't work for it. Now, if you get something free, it's a blessing, and you should say, wow, I am grateful, thank you. But when you begin to make demands on someone else for something that you should have, that's a problem. Thank you for being quiet. You see, government does not own anything. Listen carefully. Government doesn't own things. They have to depend upon you to give them Taxes, and it's good to give your taxes and to give things because that is something that God does require. But it is not for them to then take what you have and then do anything they want with it. They need to be accountable, but somehow there is this feeling that I can do anything that I want, even though they're supposed to be working for individuals. Democrat, Republican, Independent, I'll do it. But the issue is, how do we show appreciation for a gift that's been given? Now, if government or people that have things that's there and they decide to give it away, wonderful. That's their prerogative. That's their right, and they're able to do that. But when we consider the fact that God has given a gift, we should be most grateful We should be most appreciative because it really means that two things. One, you didn't deserve it, or it's the fact that one just wants to do something awful nice for you. (laughs) We have to be careful about being presumptuous. We have to be very, very careful to show appreciation when there's been a gift that's been given. When we are offered a gift, it becomes important for the recipient to have gratitude for the gift. They have received. Gifts can be a tremendous blessing for the giver as well as for the receiver. Giving is something else. When a person gives something out of their heart, it is something that that the, the person who gives is blessed by. That's why sometimes you have to be willing to accept the gift even though you may not want to because you don't even feel worthy. Because a person sometimes may have the gift of giving and they want to bless you. And so it becomes incumbent upon you to be willing to allow a person to exercise their gift of giving. God is a wonderful giver. He 
enjoys giving to people. Now, it was Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians primarily to what were called the Gentiles. Anyone that was not Jewish were called Gentiles. And the book of Ephesians is primarily written to the Gentiles. And Paul says that I want to share with you the tremendous mystery that God had hidden in ages past, but has now made known in the New Testament, made known through this time, made known in the fact that he was doing something new. He was reconciling, bringing together Jew and Gentile together, and they had the same way of coming to him. They were going to be united through Jesus Christ, and they are. Some of us like mystery novels. Some of you like to read the mystery, and some of y'all just go to straight to the end of the book to find out what the end's going to be. I don't like, I want to wait. Some of y'all go to movies, and, and this is great buildup, and if the ending is not good, you say the whole movie. It's like they got this great movie, and all of a sudden, the ending is a dud. If they've got a good movie, you want to have a good ending. Well, let me tell you this. The Bible has a good storyline, a true storyline. It has a wonderful beginning. It, it has a wonderful middle, and it has a tremendous ending that you don't want to miss. In fact, God, in fact, laid out this plan even before the foundations of the earth were even laid. He had already created this plan, and he put you in the picture. You sometimes try to exclude yourself, but God planned you in. He planned the Gentiles in right with his chosen people, the Israelites, and says, I am uniting you both together. I'm doing my work through the church. Do you not know that God's body is the church? You're either in the world or you're in the church. Now, attending church, as I told you, it doesn't make you saved. Some people say, I just feel saved. Well, I feel a lot of things at times. Don't mean that's me. I sometimes sit in my car when I was, had access to my, my, my garage. As soon I'll get that back. Got some stuff I got to move around in there. But it, just because I can put my car in that garage doesn't mean that I'm a car. I don't care how long I sit in my vehicle, I am not turning into that. Pray I don't anyway. What God was offering people was so remarkable that it really was hard to believe. God was offering something that in the Old Testament it was hidden. It, it, was, it was blocked in types and shadows. And, and the Lord was saying, I'm doing things. And Abraham and others of the prophets were looking to try to see what is God doing. And they looked to see, but they couldn't see it all together. But the Lord revealed his plan in the New Testament. He was bringing Jew and Gentile together under the lordship and headship of Christ. He, he was saving people by his grace. He was bringing people together and he was going to save them through his act of kindness, his grace. 
Do you not know that you have been saved by grace? You see, God was offering salvation free of charge. He says, I've got a gift for you. And this gift of bringing people together is a gift that's so incredible that you really can't even fathom it. In fact, Paul was, was writing to the ones who had, in fact, accepted the gift. The book of Ephesians here is written to the Greeks and those Jewish individuals who had come to receive the free gift that God had. And that was the grace of salvation. God said, you are saved by grace. For it was by God's grace. Now, we need to understand that in verse 8. And it says you are saved by grace. If you look back a few verses to verse number 5, you'll see it there as well. And here it is further explored and further dealt with. The salvation that the Ephesians had experienced was a free gift that was wrought or brought about by God's grace alone. In other words, you had no part of it. No part in it. No part developing. It was by God's design alone. You see, God was so, he was so detail-oriented that he excluded you from the process of helping him plan it. He knew that if you got involved, it would be messed up. So he just excluded you, but planned you in. He says, I'm going to plan it, I'm going to execute it, and I'm going to make sure I bring it to completion. This plan that he offered, you are saved by grace. This matter of justification, this matter of salvation, this matter of righteousness is all what God was doing. You are saved by God's grace. You are justified. What is justification? Justification and righteousness are oftentimes related, well not just related, they are sometimes used together in the New Testament, and they can be used synonymously. When God says that you have been saved by grace, God says that I am justifying you. Justification means to be declared righteous. You see, back earlier when we were reading in chapter 2, we recognized that God's God has a side of him that many people don't talk about, and that's the side of wrath. And so earlier when we were living in our waywardness and we were out doing our own thing before accepting the free gift that God had, we were subject to God's wrath. But the Lord, in planning in grace and allowing us to be able to be a part of it, he says, I'm going to save them, I'm going to justify them. So God says, I'm going to declare you righteous. What is to be declared righteous? What is one of the examples? It's just like you've never sinned. Can you imagine a person says, I am wiping your slate clean. There are some people who have been to prison and have trouble. They say, I want my record expunged. Many people got to write letters and they got to go through all these different things in order to be able to get the record expunged. And sometimes the judge says, no. And you plead your case to have that record expunged. But when God steps on the scene, he's the judge, and the Lord says, what's the, what's the issue? What's the, the problem? The case that is laid out, for you, for, out before him, he says, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they list off this 150 crimes that you've committed, all felonies. You are never getting out of jail. 
nor prison. And the Lord steps in, hears the case, and says to you, you're free to go. How is this? I am justifying you. I am declaring you righteous because of what I have done. I've sealed your case. Justification means you're free to go. When the judge says you're free to go, you've just been justified. You've just been declared righteous. So when when the Lord says you have been saved by grace, look at verse number 8. He says, for by grace have you been saved. For by grace you have been saved. You see, when we think about justification, it's what God was doing in the past. He was saving you in the past. He was justifying you in the past. Even before you even knew it, he was making things right for you. We are saved from our sins in the past. We are being saved even today. That's called sanctification. And then one day we're going to be with him in glory. That's called glorification. When we consider what God was doing, he was saving you in the past. And in the Greek it has the ongoing tense, meaning that you are being saved. It is an ongoing process. That's why we can say, God, I blew it. Would you forgive me? You see, if if salvation and forgiveness was a one-time deal, we would never make it. But God is so gracious that he just keeps right on. There's a song saying, blessing me, forgiving me. (laughs) And so we ought to be very grateful. Because you see, according to the law, if you blew it, depending on what the, the crime was, you lost your life. There was no mercy with the law. You did the crime. You had to pay the penalty. But when God's grace comes along, God offers something that says you are no longer under the law that says you got to pay for your deeds. But if you accept what I've done, my grace, it's my grace, what I've set from the foundations of the world, my grace, you're free, you're declared righteous. You see, a person by the name of Abraham, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of a person by the name of Abraham in the Bible. You may or may not have, I don't know, you may know Abraham, you may have heard of Sarah, I just don't know. But if you haven't, you see, Abraham was declared righteous because he believed what God said. Do you not know what declares you righteous? God's grace, but because of the fact you believe him. The Lord said it, that's where your faith comes in. Now let me tell you a little secret. It's not your faith. It's your faith, but it's not. You see... Faith also is a gift. It comes from God. God gives you a measure of faith. Now, some of y'all need to go home right now and take it out the garbage can. You left your, your faith in the garbage. You put it somewhere, in the car, in the glove compartment. I don't know where you have your faith, but you need to go get it. When y'all be said, I need more faith, no, go get that faith that you had. Put it to work, and the Lord will increase it. Get it off the shelf. Go dust it off. Got cobwebs on it. Get the faith. Put it to work. God has given everybody a measure of faith. But it's not your faith. That too is a gift. 
You see, God was so ingenious. Do you not know that he said that you were saved by grace through faith? Now, that's interesting. Now, don't get it wrong. Your faith is important only for the aspect of receiving what God has already decided to do and, and been doing. Your faith, does, it doesn't save you. Now, when Paul mentions your faith, you are saved by faith. You, you, you see, people wanted to actually think that, oh, I have something to do with my salvation because if I exercise enough faith, no, you don't have a part in the contract. Because some people say if I exercise my faith, that means in God will save me. No, it's by God's grace alone that you're saved. It's his plan. Your faith is in the belief and knowing and believing in what he has already decided. So your faith cannot be a part of making you righteous. So some people say if I do enough good deeds, then God will say, I can enter in. I can receive salvation. And that was one of the problems that the Jewish nation had. They tried to earn their way into the kingdom. But what Paul is letting the Ephesians know is that it's not your good works that save you. Let me go on and read this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Had nothing to do with it. And then he says, it is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not a result of works. Not a result of any works that you have done. You see, many of the Jewish people, and this is not dealing with legalism, they thought, and they were correct, that Moses gave the law, and we have a responsibility to obey the law that God laid out in the Old Testament. And they were thinking, as long as we obey the law, it will make us right with God. Therefore, as long as I obey the law, I am good. The law never saves you. The law basically only tells you what you've done wrong. It's like a schoolmaster. It tells you the error. You see, the stop sign doesn't save you. It just basically says you need to stop here. It's not going to jump out the pole in front of your car and say, I told you to stop. That's why I just read you ran into me. No. Now, if you decide to run the stop sign and there's an officer there, you may hear a, some noise and see a few red lights. Maybe they got some pretty lights, red, blue. If it comes behind you, you do need to pull over. That stop sign is there to tell you that you are supposed to stop. Now, you can run it if you want to. There's consequences. That's the law. It just tells you what something is. It tells you the wrong. It lets you know, here's the problem. This is what you need to do. What the Lord says is that when grace came along, I no longer judge by the law. You, you now have grace here. My grace is that I'm giving you is that I am doing something that while you should be taken out of here, I'm going to give you something that you really don't even deserve. I'm going to give you my grace. So your work is not a part of it. So what the Lord did for Abraham, the Lord entered into a covenant relationship with him. What makes for justification is that it is a covenant relationship. What makes for righteousness is that God established a covenant. And that's what God was doing. Justification is a covenant. 
And when we think about our faith, we want our, our, rather our works, we want our work and even our faith at times, we want that to be included in the covenant. Uh -uh. God set the terms of the covenant. Your works were not included, nor your faith. You can't say I own 10% or 2% or 1% of this deal of salvation. Even though many people want to, you can't own any part of it. You can't sign on the dotted line that I helped create the plan. And today there are many people that are trying to say my works should count for something. God will not change the terms of the covenant. It's a free gift. It's his gift. He gives the faith. Your works cannot save you. Let's go on before, I, before we're done. God has in his covenant, there's an exclusion in there. And the exclusion is your works cannot count. <laughs> you ever see in the, in the contract there may be an exclusion? You go get a television. They say don't take the television apart. Don't take it apart because you will void the contract. Don't take a hammer to the top. I mean, I'm being a little facetious, right? If you do something that the contract says not to do, you void the contract. But see, you see, in God's contract here, you have no part of it. So what you need to understand is that when you say, I've been doing all these things for the Lord, don't I get, don't I, don't I get something in return? Can I be entered? Can I enter in, Lord? No. I don't think you were there when I was drawing up this contract. I made the contract. I gave you faith. But your works can't do it. So let me tell you this as I, within five minutes, began to bring this to a conclusion. When you say, I go to church every Sunday. I treat people right. Good. Does that count? No. I give half of my money to the poor. I'm shutting people on the street. I just... Yeah, I'm doing a good deed. They even had me on 2020. Featured me because I gave money. That should count. No. I even gave tithes and an offering to the church. I wasn't being stingy with God. I gave my tithes and offering. I wasn't doing one of these numbers. Got my bills. Here's a dollar, Lord. Nope, 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 nope. I gave my tithes, Lord. That should get me in. Nope. Well, what does, what counts? Well, how can I get in? It's by grace that you've been saved. It's God's grace. It's his plan. And then the Lord says something interesting. Look at what he says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what? Good works. Uh-oh. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see? God created before the foundation of the work for you to do good works after you had been saved and you now walk in this new way of life and you were created. Now, did you not know that you were created for good works? The Lord even actually created the plan of works for you once the grace was applied. You are made to do good works. In other words, you walk out your salvation. You are walking out the plan that God has for you. As God does the work, you live it out. 
That's the work that you've been called to do. You see, it's not the works that you do in order to be saved, but it's the work that you do to show that you're saved. So that when I give to the poor, when I give my tithes and offering, it is an outworking of the fact of the inner change that God has already been doing right here. <laughs> so you need to get this. You do the good work, but it's because of the change that God has made in your life. So we need to stop trying to bargain with God and just go ahead and do the walking that he's called us to do, the working that he's called us to do, the living that he's called us to do. You were created for good works. And here you thought that you were created to do bad works, waiting till nighttime to go out. The sun goes down. I've been there. Y'all been there too. Go throwing rocks at cars. There's a car going by. Y'all, y'all, y'all some, y'all some bad kids growing up. I know y'all. <laughs> Thank God for saving you. <laughs> but you were, you were created for good works. I had never seen, I had never saw that before just like that. Before the foundation of the world, God had created us for good works. The fact of what he was doing, justifying us. Bringing us together as one body, Jew and Gentile, to be able to worship together, to be able to walk out this walk. Let me say this. That, too, is a gift from God. (laughs) You can't get credit for none of it. But you get rewarded for being obedient to it. Isn't it great that you can't get credit for the plan, but God rewards you for being obedient to the plan? You see, I think we have it twisted. Many people are trying to have their works count towards the contract. The contract has already been made, been applied to you. The only thing that you need to do is now work out what you were already created to do in Christ Jesus, it says. My goodness, now that's good news. Brother Jerry sings a song. That's good news. Ain't that good news? <laughs> I, I, and I think as we consider this matter of this great rescue that God has provided, he came down and snatched us out, pulled us out. Now, last week I said, I believe it was out of the miry clay, that muddy clay, boggy. He brought us out. He snatched us, cleaned us up then says now walk and one thing that you need to know you never have to worry about walking alone God says I've got a gift for you now that's the gift that you need to accept stop trying to create your plan don't, you don't need to create your own plan for salvation it's already done just walk in the fact of what God has already given you this great rescue by God is sealed by the blood of Christ. When you walk out the plan of God in your life that he designed, you don't quit because you can't change the terms of the agreement. You can't quit. You got to keep going. There are two places, the world and the church. The world and the church. The world and the church. You have a responsibility to be faithful to accept the free gift that God has given, to walk in the gift, and to thank him for rescuing you. 
Remember, it's not your plan. That's wonderful. You ain't got to rack your brains. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now just help me to walk out what you have already created me to do. We are your workmanship. Your workmanship created to do good works. Today in this place, Lord, we are grateful to you that you have already devised, developed, implemented the plan. You have given us the wonderful privilege to partner with you and to be able to just walk out what you have given us. While the gift is free to us, it costs you everything. We may try to make demands, but no, we need to just accept the fact that you are merciful to us, gracious to us. And we love you today for that, and we're thankful. Now, would you have your way? Would you give us the help that we need now to know how to walk, to walk in the way that brings glory to you, the way that you have provided, the way that shows that, yes, we are your workmanship, created to do good works and to walk according to the plan that you laid out from the foundations of the world. We thank you, we honor you, we bless you, we give glory to you. In the priceless and the matchless name of Jesus, amen. May God bless you.